you have your Bible, go with me to um, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to come to a passage of Scripture where um, Jesus is going to enter into a discussion and you're going to find a lot of controversy. And when I find um, controversy, you um, find usually people that are really kind of excited. Uh, Sometimes it's the issue. Sometimes it is them being in charge. Sometimes it's a power struggle. Um, But there's a lot of different things that take place when you get to certain issues. So Jesus is going to enter in. uh, You're going to find Jesus in the middle of a controversy. What's interesting is he doesn't back away from the controversy. It's interesting to me when Jesus is walking through this earth and involved in ministry, there are going to be people that are going to just oppose him. And so instead of him just wiping them off the face of the earth, he's going to challenge their authority. He's going to do things in their presence. And so you're going to see some, some arguments. Sometimes when you get involved in relationships and uh, you uh, have the wonderful privilege of being married, then there's things that happen behind closed doors. Uh, hopefully that your all your whole family doesn't see take place and and some of that is you know what I just want my will and some of it wants somebody else wants their will and but there's a lot of emotion and then eventually usually what happens is you'll separate and then you come back and say okay what's the truth so now Jesus is going to step into a culture into a society that it's all about the Sabbath and they're in charge and they're setting the rules and they're the ones that are going to dictate what's going to take place and how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that. And Jesus is just going to step in and say, wait a second, I'm the one that created this and I'm in charge. And I don't care what you think and I don't care about your traditions because where you're headed, if you continue on your path, your path leads to destruction. So you really love them enough to say, okay, look, I'm not going to allow you to go that way without somebody stepping into your world and coming face-to-face with you and say, hold on a second, you need to rethink your thought process. And so he's going to challenge them. So you pick it up in Matthew chapter 12, and you know as you read through the book of Matthew, you read the story or the history of Matthew is going to record specific things so that the Jews would know he's the Messiah. He's the king. Now, when you get to Matthew chapter 12, you pick it up uh, in verse 1, but I want to show you two things. First thing, the first controversy is going to be started over grains of wheat. That's where it's going to start. Then he's going to transition, and he's going to go into their synagogue, and the second controversy is going to be over the power of him healing, a shriveled hand. So you're going to get a chance to see grain, and a shriveled hand today, and both of those things are going to say to the Pharisees, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. doesn't matter what you think. Now what's going to be interesting is most of us in here are not thinking about Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read through Matthew chapter 12. We're just going to do the first 14 verses this morning. And most of us haven't really thought this process very clearly because we just read through, oh, well, that's pretty interesting. He's going to demonstrate his power. He's going to confront them but we don't really stop and ask ourselves a question. And I'm going to wait until the end, and so I'm going to rattle through some information pretty quickly, and then I'm going to bring us to an end where it's going to be an end where it's going to be not very comfortable. I'll just tell you up front. 
It's going to be an end where you're going to be challenged to look at your preferences from the truth of God's Word. So this morning as we get started, let's look at the first one. Let's look at the grain of wheat. Pick it up in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You can put that, uh, let's put those three up there, the next uh, two, yeah, let's put those there. What you don't realize, and I didn't realize until I started doing some thinking about this, these individuals loved the law more than they loved Jesus. They were not interested in Jesus. Jesus steps into their world, and Jesus is going to do things that is totally contrary to what they think is right. So Jesus is going to challenge their power. Now, whenever you challenge somebody's power, I mean, I, you can remember when you're, in, when you're probably in kindergarten and you had the privilege of going to recess and somebody said something about your mother, it was on. You don't challenge my power. You don't say anything about my mama. I'll do whatever for my mama. Okay? So now you can probably think back of where there's been times in your life where there's been a power struggle or somebody came to you and confronted you. Here's a controversy. Bam, I want to confront you with this. And then all this emotion flies up inside of you, and you have to deal with how you're going to respond. Here we are, controversy, the law. Now, what you and I don't realize is how many laws they had and how some of their laws were so ridiculous. One law on the Sabbath, there's 24 chapters in the Talmud, 24 chapters just for the Sabbath. Just one law, okay? On the Sabbath you are not allowed to walk more than 3,000 feet from your house on the Sabbath. But if you wanted to go an additional 3,000 feet, you would go out the day before, set some food out 3,000 feet away so you could walk those 3,000 feet. The food represented that this was still your home. So you could walk 3,000 feet and then eat, and then you could walk another 3,000 feet. Now, I don't know how you got back. I don't know what you had to do to get back. That was just one. Another one, what you could lift on the Sabbath. So on the Sabbath, you were only allowed to lift a grain, or no, nothing heavier than a dried fig. But if the object weighed half that amount, then you could carry it twice. Okay, so I mean, I'm just giving you, so this is what these guys love. This is their passion. This is how they're going to get saved. This is what they're willing to die for. Because at the end of Matthew chapter 12, they're going to kill Jesus. They want to kill Jesus because he's saying he's greater than the Sabbath. That's what they want to do. Okay, so these guys are willing to fight for the Sabbath. So these guys, we can go on to the next one. Jesus is going to be out in the field with his disciples. These people are watching Jesus. They're making sure, okay, Jesus, we want to make sure, oh, oh, you messed up there, we're going to confront you. Eating grains of wheat. Now, I don't know, I don't eat wheat. Uh, sometimes I eat wheat toast, but or whole wheat toast, but I don't, I don't know what it's ever like to go through a field and say, okay, I'm going to have some grains today. This looks kind of inviting. The disciples are so hungry, they're walking through this field, and they're just going to grab some, some grain, and they're going to eat it. Now, where's an individual that says, you know what, if you're hungry, if I'm a Pharisee, if you're hungry, let's just get him some food. Not these people. 
They're going to confront Jesus because his disciples are walking through the grain fields and they're eating grain, and that is unlawful on the Sabbath. How arrogant. How ridiculous that somebody would have the time just to stand around and say, well, you guys are eating grain, so you guys are wrong. You're living in sin. We see you doing this. You need to confess. I want to show you something that's kind of interesting. Interesting Jesus' response to them. And if you have... If you have a Bible or you have a pen or a pencil or whatever, I want you to circle some words. Look at verse 3. He answered them, haven't you read? You need to circle that phrase, haven't you read? You're supposed to know the law. You're supposed to know truth. Haven't you read? Haven't you read what? Haven't you read what David did when his companions were hungry. He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for his priests. Haven't you read about this good Jewish boy whose name was David? Haven't you read, and if you want to go back and do some some looking around in Old Testament truth, haven't you read 1 Samuel chapter 21? and reminded yourself that there were some people that were in need, David, they were fleeing from Saul, and in order to live, they went to the priest and said, look, we need the bread or we're going to die. Haven't you read that? Drop down to verse 5. Or haven't you read in the law, or shouldn't you be aware of this, just because you guys are being out here being judgmental, you've been given truth. Haven't you read in the law, what? In the law, what? Haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Haven't you read, don't you know on the Sabbath all the work that a priest does? Haven't you been reminded on the Sabbath that not only does a priest live more, lift more than a fig, He sacrifices the lamb, he lifts the lamb, he puts it over here. Haven't you read in the law? Don't you know? You have truth, but you're not open to truth. They knew this stuff. But their hearts were so filled with pride. Their hearts were so filled with they wanted to be in control. Their hearts were so filled that we will set the standards, we will set the laws, and these laws will be right. Now look what happens. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desired mercy not sacrifice. I desired that you had a relationship with me. Mercy. I desired that you would have a steadfast love for my relationship with you. I desired that you would have a a burden for the people that were around you, and you've turned this all in to look at me. I desired, as you go back to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, these words that you read, his desire, go, oh, but go and learn what is meant. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come come to call the righteous, but the sinners. 
That's who I came for. Now it's going to get really interesting. After he says, I tell you that, that one is greater here in the temple, if you have not, if you've known these words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So isn't that interesting that he just didn't say, you know what, let me just go over here in the corner and I don't really want to confront anybody and I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I want everybody to feel real good when they're done with their conversations with me. He didn't do that. Why? Why didn't he do that? Because his father gave him a job to do. And if he would have made sure that these guys were just happy, you and I wouldn't have salvation, and they wouldn't have hope either. It's interesting. Now it's going to get real exciting. Read Somebody read the next verse. Who, who likes to read? Somebody read the next verse. Who likes to read? Nobody likes to read? Well, hold on. I just didn't want to go all the way back up here again. So here. Going on from that place, he went where? No, you missed the word. Into their synagogue. So now he's standing out in the fields and they're, they're watching him. They're making comments to him. He said, okay, that's fine. Let's go to your synagogue. I want to go there. I want to go into your backyard. You know what's interesting? What's in the synagogue? There's a man in the synagogue with what? A shriveled hand. So I started to think about this. He's going into their synagogue. The Lord of the Sabbath is going into their place. So I started thinking about this person. I don't know what color of skin they had. I started thinking about the shriveled hand. And I was wondering, God... Did you allow this individual to have a shriveled hand until right now, to this point? Or did somehow did this individual get hurt? I don't know the situation behind it. I know this. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and he's in the synagogue. And who should have been aware of that? The Pharisees. They should have been the ones to say, come on in. We want to hear your voice. You do miraculous things. Come explain to us. Come tell us about eternal life. Come tell us about hope. Come tell us about mercy. We'll go out in our community and demonstrate that. No, they didn't do any of that. They said, oh, by the way, on the Sabbath, you only walk 3,000 feet. Oh, on the Sabbath, by the way, all you can pick up is no more than a dry fig. I mean, that's all you can do. So now he goes into their world. And they say, they ask him a question, going to their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to accuse him. They asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Just a little side note for parents. You notice so far Jesus hasn't blasted these individuals yet? All he's done is ask them a question. So I was thinking about, you know, if my dad would have just asked a question, our little years of me thinking I was in charge probably would have went a little bit differently. Just ask me a question, Dad. Now, sometimes I was a little, you know, I was bad, so there's no way around it. 
But I just think for me, as I deal with people and as you deal with people, so far there's no condemnation here. So far there's no saying, you know what, man, that was really dumb. You guys are just really dumb. So far there's no disgust in his voice saying, you know what, what's wrong with you people? I was there. I was there when my father made the Sabbath. And I can explain it all to you. He didn't do it. And then he does something. He said this to them. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Now, how many of them do you think on this week so far or last week or two weeks ago of these goody two-shoes that are watching Jesus, trying to figure out how they're going to accuse him, how many of them picked up a sheep two weeks ago that was in a pit? How many do you think? I don't know. But now, now it's going to get a little bit interesting because now he's confronted, he's asked the question, hey, what about you guys? How many of you sinned last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago or four weeks ago? You've sinned against your rules. How many? You're questioning me. You're saying to me, hey, is it lawful? How much more valuable is the man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The demonstration of his power. Right in the synagogue. And they should have fallen down on their face and said, okay, yeah, we got it. We see your power. We know who you are. We worship you. You read on a little bit farther, they say, you know what, now they're thinking of a plan, a way they can kill him. So now I I know as you sit here on a Sunday morning, let's just put the, the next slide up here. I know as you sit here on a Sunday morning, you're kind of like, you know, okay, it's Matthew chapter 12, and I get the whole grain thing. I mean, I understand that you probably need to explain it as you go through it, and it kind of makes sense, and it's kind of neat to see that, you know, the Lord, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and I realize it's written to Jews. So what the world? Here's where it's going to get personal. Here where it's going to be a situation where it might feel like somebody's just punched you right between the eyes. So my dad always had a saying when I end up going to the doctor and I have to have stitches, you know this is going to hurt, right? I don't know why he ever told me that. He told me that every single time that I went to have stitches. I had it multiple times. I knew exactly what was going to take place. So I'll tell you right up front right now, this is going to hurt. Okay, because now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take our eyes off of the Pharisees and I'm going to, you can, just, you can change it over to the black part now, the black screen. I'm going to put it right on us. Because it's easy for us to look back here and say, well, yeah, what's wrong with those knuckleheads? I'm going to ask you to search your soul right now and ask the Lord to show you where you've been a Pharisee this week. doing some devotions this week and looking at Psalm 139, first six verses. And it draw me back to a place where I said, okay, God, I need to be in awe of who you are. Sometimes we get complacent. And I know that it's written. It's, it's right there for me. It's right there for you. 
another place that it is written is Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I know that the majority of us could say, you know what, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But here's my question, Pharisees. When we think about us as a family, when was the last time we even admitted we sinned? I don't understand some things of our culture, and I will never understand a lot of things of our culture, but the one thing I really don't understand is these individuals that wear pants and they wear a belt, and then they wear their belt down here. I don't understand. I, I really don't want to see, I don't want to see back, I don't want to see the back. Okay, I, I, just pull it up, <laughs> whatever reason, pull your pants up. So sometime I'm going to go behind somebody and just, just jerk them up. So this is where you're supposed to wear your britches, is up here, not down here. You have a belt, so use it in the right spot. That's my judgmental part of who I am. And that's just some little funny, silly you know, illustration, but you know what? We're all judgmental. We're all looking around saying, well, <laughs> well really, what's wrong with that person? Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 9. Challenges is not to do things for anybody else's attention. So I ask you, when was the last time you asked yourself this question? Did anyone just see me do that? Is anybody going to come alongside of me and say, man, you're really a good person? Do you realize this morning that you are incapable of overcoming sin in your own power? It's one thing for us to know that we're sinners. It's another thing to realize, to say, you know what, God? I can't do, I can't do this. I do not have the power to do this. But it is written, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is written. So will we take what is written and say, okay, yes, I cannot overcome sin, but I have hope through the power of Christ living inside of me. Change me from the inside. That do something with me. When was the last time you were so concerned about somebody that you just had to share the gospel with? That you knew unless they understood the gospel, there was nothing that was going to help them. We were listening last night to somebody share and use the illustration of this person was driving on a bridge and he saw this car go over in front of him and so he stopped and got out and realized that the car just was just doomed. It just drove right over, down and crashed and people died. And so another car was coming. So the guy was trying to wave people down. And another car went over. And another car went over. Finally a bus started coming towards him. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to stand in front of this bus. I'm going to wave my shirt. I'm going to do whatever. But I am not moving from in front of this bus. I will stand here because if I don't stand here, these people are going to die. So he stood there. The bus came. They stopped, he stopped the bus. Then they turned the bus sideways so nobody else perished. When was the last time we had a passion for somebody so great that we just had to share the gospel? What's their names? been on a journey with an individual and 
they're not here this morning, but um, it's been interesting to watch God work. And so, I don't know, months ago, I went out to the softball field to pay our dues, and there was like, I didn't realize on Tuesdays there was like a 50-year-old league, there's a 60-year-old league, and there's a 70-year-old league, and all them younger people out there playing softball. So I just walked out there and paid the dues, and I was leaving. This guy just, and I, I saw one of my friends, and he was playing, so I, went, I walked over and says, well, what are you doing out here? You're supposed to be back there at that church saving people. And I wasn't, I'm not real quick-witted, I should have said, I'm here because I want you to say yes to Jesus because you're on my list. But he came last week, and I'm watching. He's getting closer. He's getting to the point where we know he's going to say yes to Jesus. It's just you can watch it. So he came to me Monday night. We're playing softball. So he walks over to our dugout, and he said something. He said, you know, I want you to know I really, really, really enjoyed church. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Who is it for you? And I realize people have issues. And I realize people need counsel. And I realize people need advice. And I realize people need input. But you know what people really need? Jesus. So who who is it? Here's one that I want you to write down. And I want you to take this verse home and I want you to think about it. It's James chapter 5 and verse 16. And all of this list was, this list has come from an individual that emailed me the other day. And I was thinking about church and family. And, and so Thursday morning in the Bible study, there's a group of us men that meet in the back room here on Thursday mornings. And one of the guys read this verse. James chapter 5, verse 16. Now, remind yourself before you, let's leave it down for a second. Remind yourself before you read this that it is written. Remind yourself that he is, don't give me, don't get excuses yet. So some of you are already reading. Don't give me your excuses. Don't give me your analogies. Don't give me all this stuff. Just read. It is written. What does James tell the believers? It is written. This is what he says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that the whole world may know what goes on in your world. No, so you would be healed. So your life would be different. It's written there. Question, when was the last time you ever confessed any of your sin to anybody? When was the last time somebody came to you and said, hey, I need, I need to get something off my chest? And they shared a sin thing with you, and then you didn't go tell anybody about it. You didn't give the lame church excuse, well, you know, I just needed other people to pray. No, you're gossiping. When was the last time somebody came to you and said, hey, this is what's on my life, and you kept your mouth shut and just got on your face and said, God, change them. God, help them. God, when they walk back into church that you didn't turn and say, oh, that's them. They confessed it to me. You went to them and said, hey, good to see you here. Praying for you. Love you. When was the last time? 
So don't get all judgmental about the Pharisees. And don't get all goody two-shoes on Matthew chapter 12. Say, well, we were going to try to kill him. No. But the majority of us are living unbiblical lifestyles. When it's very clear in front of us. I can say this to you today. He's here, and he wants to help you. And I know we're coming off Easter, and but Easter's not just one Sunday. It's today. He's alive today. And he wants to do something inside of you. He wants to demonstrate his power in your life so that you can't explain it to anybody... Then anything other than say, Jesus has helped me. I'm not saying he wants to unshrivel your hands. I'm not, but that same power is available today. But the temptation will be, it's like, well, I, I, I don't want to go there. Because really, the war isn't about is Jesus alive or not alive, but the war isn't really can Jesus help you. The war is, is will you say, okay, I will follow you. I'll follow your words. I'll surrender. And I was having lunch the other day. I was like, you know, there's certain parts of Scripture that I, that I love. I love that Jesus will always love me. I love Romans chapter 8 where there's no condemnation. But there's other parts of Scripture that I, I really don't like. But I can't just pick the ones that say that I know that I can have eternal life because John wrote to us in 1 John chapter 5, 11, 13. He wanted us to know we had eternal life. I love that verse. But I don't know when the last time I went to somebody and said, hey, I need you to pray for me about this. Because when I open my mouth, you look at me differently. If I share something with people here in the church that I'm struggling with, they won't look at me the same. So I just shut up. Say, God, here I am. Keep working to me. I know the issues. So I haven't even done it. So how can I expect you to do it? But it's written. So now you don't have an excuse anymore. You know truth. Some of you, need to take Psalm 139 and just say, okay, this is who I am. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who you are. So it never matters what you accomplish. It never matters who looks at you or who doesn't look at you. It doesn't matter. Because you're perfect in his eyes. He just like, I need a redo on Patterson. I really messed that one up. No. Scripture said he put me together in my mother's room exactly the way he wanted me. Now walk in that truth. It's written. That's why it's there. Will you accept it? Father, it's your word in our hearts. And I know there's a war going on because none of us like, none of us like authority. None of us high-five each other when people tell us what to do. None of us high-five each other when we're, there's confrontation or there's controversy. We don't get all excited and say, yeah, this is just awesome. But it's written. And Jesus stepped into the Pharisees' world and he didn't scold them. 
He didn't kill him. He just said, hey, it's written. And it doesn't matter what you think, but I'm Lord. And the Sabbath is mine. And it's not about your rules. It's about a relationship with me. And he's stepping into your world today, and he's saying the word of God is true. And it's written. So accept it and stop acting like the Pharisees. So, Father, I don't know what you're going to do in hearts. I thank you that you're still molding and shaping my heart. You haven't given up on me. You love me. You're not mad. But you're challenging me to grow, and I want to challenge our family to grow. I want to challenge our family that somebody out there, their life is broken and a mess, and they need Jesus. So go love on them and encourage them and talk to them and then tell them about Jesus. And there's people in here that are playing games and you know who they are. And you love, He loves you, but it's written. And He's not going to change that for you. He's not looking for your approval. He's looking for your surrender. So, Father, help us be sons and daughters that not only say that we love you and sing to you, but we say, I surrender. That we say, you're in charge. That we say, Father, help. In your name I pray, amen.